Hello again, and welcome to the next episode of Knowing God with Heart and Mind, the virtual Bible study that we share together here on our devices, on our smartphones, on our computer consoles. Uh, gosh, I don't even know. There might be a lot of other ways out there that I don't even know about. We're recording today on my birthday. And uh, I've hit the double nickel today. I'm 55. And you know, at 55, I'm going to have to admit that as savvy as I like to think I am, there's probably something new out there that I don't know about. So however it is you're listening to Knowing God with Heart and Mind, I want to thank you for joining me. I want to thank you for hungering for God's Word and for allowing me to be God's servant today in your life. Our fundamental goal at Knowing God with Heart and Mind is to know God with all our heart, with all our mind, and to love God with all of our heart, mind, and soul. The Bible is the tool we use to know God. It's not the sole tool that God uses to reveal God's self, but it is entirely sufficient in and of itself to bring someone into a relationship with God. And so we stick with this tool, this beautiful book, this word from its uh, author, our creator, and uh, we listen for the voice of God saying, as, as one might say in a love letter from far away, everything that this person they're writing to should know in order to continue the love and this meaningful relationship, even though it seems at a distance from time to time. So each week we'll look at the scripture readings prescribed by the revised common lectionary, and uh, then we'll consider them from tradition with our imagination, and uh, we'll reason about them together. And then as we examine the pattern that has been presented in the ordering of the revised common lectionary, we'll see if God is seeking to say something particular through that particular tool. And uh, this is the goal we follow. Uh, this is, this is our, our ambition each week in this virtual Bible study. So, enough chatter. Let's get started with some announcements and news from Parsons Prairie. This is the uh, study for May the 7th, that is May 7th, 2017, in the Revised Common Lectionary, that is the third Sunday of the Easter season. We'll read uh, all of those passages that are scheduled for Sunday, May 7th, in just a moment. The, uh, the days here on... Uh, Parsons Prairie are winding down. It's just a month or so before we begin to make our move to a new community and begin to uh, adapt our lives to the fellowship of believers there. And during these next few weeks, there will be different kinds of, uh, of transitional activities here in uh, our home uh, at uh, Corinth Church, Corinth United Methodist and here in this place that I've affectionately referred to as Parsons Prairie. And so there's going to be a lot of joy and sadness 
And uh, it seems that over the last weekend, we got our first taste of the joy and the sadness that uh, will be common over the next six weeks or so. Uh, We celebrated my son's marriage to his beautiful, wonderful bride, Katie. We we are so delighted. It was one of the happiest couple of days I've had, and I can't remember when. I, I was so filled with joy and so happy for my son and his bride. I was so happy for my family as we all enjoyed each other's company. I was so pleased to see our family increase as we joined not only our son and daughter, but we joined our families together in so many special ways. I I feel as though my my family now includes not only another daughter, but another brother and sister and her parents and uh, uh, other uh, sisters and and brothers in in her sisters and brothers and uh, in their spouses. It's just it's just really wonderful when two Christian families are united through marriage and uh, and it's such a beautiful thing. But as I said, this was a weekend of happiness and sadness. Now, believe me when I say that there's no comparison between the the happiness of this marriage that we celebrated and our sad news, but it was sad that we came home from our wedding celebrations and found that while we were gone, some sort of creature tore into the chicken coop and killed all of our chickens. So Bluefoot Bill and all the girls were massacred by this visitor in the night, probably a raccoon or a weasel. I've told you before, Parsons Prairie is a wild place, and uh, there are just across the no-name creek, there is wide open space where coyotes roam, and there are areas of uh, small wooded uh, uh, spaces that harbor all sorts of wild animals, and that no-name creek... uh, Runs through the the like a crack through the prairie and provides a, uh, a kind of highway for all the different animals. And if you sit and observe, as I'm fond of doing, you begin to see that there's a lot of movement uh, during the day and night. And uh, as long as they don't pick up too much on the human presence, these animals make themselves known. I don't know why, after five years or so of having the chickens out behind the parsonage here, we were suddenly attacked in this particular way by this creature. But uh, it's not uncommon, and any of you who live in the country, you understand what I'm talking about. And so I was deeply grieved when I came home and had to uh, take care of this this crime scene that was left behind. And uh, it was a little bit like one of those procedural shows you watch on TV as we dealt with the remains and uh, looked at the various signs of who might have invaded, the leftover hair and the type of injuries that were inflicted. And, uh, you know, uh, it was it was sad and, and fascinating all at the same time. And so as we buried those rotting chicken corpses in the ground all I could think of was how Lazarus was thought to be too stinky for anyone to enter his tomb and yet Jesus simply said a word and 
out comes Lazarus, not only uh, not decaying and stinking of death, but actually alive and well and needing to be unwrapped from his bandages. And as we as we buried these dead chickens and tried to understand what had happened, we were just reminded that uh, this is life. Great joy and celebration and sorrow and grief all in the same package. And Jesus understood it all. He lived it all. And so have we. And so we still take great comfort in the word in all times and in all things. And so... Uh, Take a moment here with a cup of coffee or with your preferred beverage and toast old Bluefoot Bill and all the girls at Parsons Prairie's chicken coop, which has now been disassembled and burned in the fire pit. And um, we have cleared the earth and thrown down grass seed. And soon the new pastor here at Parsons Prairie will have nothing but a patch of new grass as a sign of the presence of Bluefoot Bill and the girls, and we'll have to eat store-bought eggs for a while. So there's your news from Parsons Prairie and some announcements. Now to the main thing, reading of the scriptures. Our first reading comes from the Acts of the Apostles. We'll be reading Acts chapter 2 verses 42 to 47. I use the New International Version and I use BibleGateway.com and uh, I will encourage you to visit BibleGateway.com for a lot of terrific resources in addition to free access to the Word of God in the form of scriptures. You can choose from many, many versions and translations of the Bible there and uh, by the way I don't know if I've ever told you this keep in mind that as you choose your reading material for your scripture purposes why you will be uh, occasionally uh, confused or question the difference between a version and a translation a simple uh, definition or explanation is this uh, a translation is one that has taken an existing version of scripture and translated it into a more contemporary form for example like the new living translation and a version is a uh, authorized uh, uh, planned attempt to go back to the scriptures from uh, uh, as far back as possible with available resources and using uh, any new knowledge that has been attained over recent history and trying to make an even more accurate representation of Scripture. A uh, beautiful thing about the Bible is, is that it has survived all these years in various forms and has been self-correcting. Uh, that is to say, the Holy Spirit has a way of leading people towards uh, moving in a direction of... of uh, of repair where error has occurred and uh, where uh, more accurate information is available affirming the fundamental uh, historical truths and uh, uh, I, it, it's just really amazing how the Bible consistently stays uh, true and worthy of our love and, and trust throughout time 
that in itself is a wonderful sign of God's providence and the Spirit's authorship of Scripture. Anyway, back to our readings. Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2, verses 2, uh, excuse me, verses 42 to 47. Acts 2, 42 to 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And our second reading comes from the Psalms, a familiar psalm to most people uh, who have any Bible background. It is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now let us pray. Almighty God, we thank you this day and always for the word, for your heart and mind revealed to us through Jesus, the very essence of the word made man, the very reason of God, the mind of God that holds all things together, the logic that is the only reasonable explanation for the life of all things as we understand them in time and space and all of creation. We thank you, Lord, for those faithful ones who have gone before us, who have preserved for us this beautiful Bible that we can read. We thank you for the way that you have worked through the uh, power of your Spirit in the lives of those who continue to serve as shepherds along the way of Christian journey. And finally, Lord, I thank you for the privilege of being such a shepherd. And I pray that you can honor yourself through me in all the ways that I try to give your word and your love to those to whom you have sent me. I pray this in the name of Christ, my shepherd, my Lord, and my God. Amen. Preaching is an interesting uh, occupation, to say the least, and for me, it's a great pleasure. I, I really, honestly, and sincerely love preaching. And not because I'm in love with the sound of my own voice or in some way, you know, like being up in front of all those people talking uh, 
in fact i'm i've told you before i'm a bit of an introvert so i don't really like to uh uh you know do that in an in a natural sort of organic way it's it's an act of discipline and yet once i get going i just love to talk about the word of god and i hope that people sense the anointing that seems to be present in my preaching uh same way with this teaching um when i lead a bible study and now as i'm starting to get the hang of this podcast thing i'm beginning to see how the spirit's anointing comes into that too now the reason i mention this is because as i was looking at the revised common lectionary this week uh i was interested to see how the uh how the four scripture readings came together in my mind anyway to form a particular image um i've never been fond of recycling sermons um some pastors are very skilled at writing and and uh, uh, preserving their sermons in such a way that they can pull them out of a file cabinet and they can revisit those uh, topics again at a later date. And, and uh, I, I do like to write and I do like to put my sermon messages down on paper. And, and in that way, they are, you know, sort of a written, lasting uh, memorial, I guess you could say, to that message. Of course, if you ever read my sermon notes and then come to the church and listen to me, you probably find that I'm uh, loosely connected to the notes and that by the time you're done, in the notes you've seen things I didn't say and in the hearing you've heard things that I didn't write down. And that's pretty much the way it operates for me anyway. And I'm not uh, not too concerned about that. Anyway, as I listened to the voice of the Spirit this week, one of the things I noticed is a theme that I th- find to be very uh, pastoral in nature. That's not uh, pastoral like out in the fields, uh, you know, walking among the daisies. Pastoral like in the shepherding sense of the word. The pastor is the shepherd of the flock. And uh, there's a message that seems to be jumping out of these four readings to me. And perhaps because I'm making a transition and I'm journeying from one pastorate to another and find myself thinking in terms of the shepherd of the flock. Uh, One of the things I've noticed, for example, in the readings from today is how, uh, the first two readings, I mean, is I've noticed how the uh, uh, 23rd Psalm is there and it describes the shepherd, you know. Well, uh, of course, we've always thought the Lord is my shepherd and that's uh, that's what that means, and it's definitely plain that the words speak to us of the shepherding nature of the Lord, that that the guide, uh, the God of our fathers, that guided them throughout the uh, the journeys with Israel in the Old Testament, and the God of of uh, our Lord Jesus, uh, the Heavenly Father, uh, the one who through the Spirit guides the church fathers, uh, the apostles, and all those who have come before us, it is our shepherd who leads us. And in a way, I feel that the 23rd Psalm is a description of how God expects the shepherd of God's flocks to lead them. I feel that what is being said here is a word of, of uh, guidance to the shepherd of the flock as the pastor my job is to make sure that my flock lacks for nothing and uh, you know not in a way that refers to their uh, 
wants and uh, their earthly desires, but rather to make sure that my flock is fed the spiritual food that nurtures their souls, to make sure that my flock is healthy and strong and that it reproduces. It is my job to lead them to places of rest when that is needed, to lead them to places where the water is cold and fresh. It's my job to take them down the right paths for the Lord's name's sake. And when we have to go through the dark valleys together, it is my job to fearlessly walk before them in faith and to trust that God is truly my Lord and shepherd. And to know that God is with us and to carry my staff before the flock and walk ahead of the flock, leading them to the way of comfort in God's arms, that is to say, in discipleship. And then it is my job to prepare the table for them, even in the presence of their enemies, so that when they come to the place of meeting and we worship together, no matter what's going on in their lives, they are filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through the Holy Spirit. It is my job to anoint them when they're sick. It is my job to serve them the sacrament. It is my job to find for them the keys to their own understanding and presence of the presence of God so that they might grow in discipleship and sanctification. And these are the things that I feel the scripture from the 23rd Psalm have said to me, the pastor, the shepherd of the flock. And then the reading from the Acts of the Apostles tells us how the apostles, the shepherds of their flocks, experienced the church in its earliest days. And I mean literally the earliest days. Uh, it's good that the flock devoted, its, uh, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. It's good that they ate together regularly and they listened to the leadership of the apostles. And I must say that in local churches, we have a bit of a disdain for pastors sometimes, and I don't understand it. Uh, on one level, I do get that there have been poor pastors who have served churches poorly. I do get that our denominations uh, become vast institutions that produce worldliness and uh, create bitterness in the flock. But I'm very aware, too, that in the local churches, there is uh, uh, an equal measure of corruption in those who would rather have a social organization where they have their social needs met rather than feeding on the Word of God. And so I grant that there are in every church those pastors who fail and those lay people who fail. But if a pastor, like the apostles, is devoted to Christ and is given to obedience in the Holy Spirit, then it is the flock's responsibility to respect the spiritual authority that has been given to the pastor as the shepherd of the flock, devoting themselves to the teaching and the leadership, and knowing that the Spirit of God and those other spiritual leaders who are equally uh, filled with the Spirit and anointed for this purpose of pastoral leadership, that in, in them is found the accountability that will make that 
spiritual leader, your pastor, someone who must operate with integrity. And if that's not happening, well, then perhaps you need to pray and perhaps you need to counsel with your pastor. But in the same way, you must be willing to hear your pastor's counsel and you must be willing to counsel with your pastor in the presence of those lay people who are in need of correction and direction. The shepherd leads the flock towards healthiness and strength. And in that way, the flock is strong. If there is an animal in the flock that is deceased or in some way presents danger to the flock, then the shepherd has to have the courage to set that one aside and to help it either get well or get away from the flock. This isn't fun. Nobody likes to do that. But this is what happens in the real Christian world. When we read the Acts of the Apostles, we'll also see that even during these glorious, heady days of the early church where they were in the temple and everybody was sharing and there was no discord, suddenly there's this weird story about Ananias and Sapphira. This weird story where the church leaders go to them and they say, you know, you've lied to the Holy Spirit. And with that, both of them end up dead. Now that's really extreme and a little bit scary, but it reminds us that, that sometimes when the discord in the church occurs, there will be those who will be loved and missed, but who must go. And it's no fun. It's, it's terrible. In church, we try so hard not to hurt people's feelings as though the church is the only place you can go where you never get your feelings hurt. But the truth is, is sometimes your feelings get hurt because you deserve it. Because you've come into a spiritual environment that has specific purposes, just like any other good functioning environment, and you're at discord, you're, you're in disharmony with that purpose, and you're in disharmony with the guiding spirit, and there will be consequences. Not because you are not meant to experience the full grace of God and the love of the fellowship of believers, but that sometimes love hurts. Sometimes it's corrective. Sometimes it punishes, not for vindictive reasons, but because punishment is another way of correction. It reminds us that there is pain when we are at discord and disharmony with God's will. And trusting that God has placed certain people in our lives to fill certain roles is one of those things we must submit to. It's not easy, but the Lord is the shepherd, and the shepherds who work for the Lord are your shepherds. The next reading comes from the first letter of Peter. We're reading 1 Peter 2, 19-25. Peter says, 
for it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. And when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. And then our gospel reading from John chapter 10 verses 1 to 10. Jesus is speaking. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Well, the wind and the rain are beating against the window of my personal space here at Parsons Prairie Parsonage. The clouds are so low that the trains over there on the railroad just to my east uh, sound like they're in my backyard. You may even be able to hear them in the background. Anyway, those two readings continue in my heart, anyway, the theme of the pastor as shepherd. And... Uh, can I be really honest with you? I mean, there's really nothing you can do about it because I can say whatever I want and then live with the consequences after this hits the vast worldwide web. But uh, I'm anxious a little bit as I try to express the way I feel about these passages and the way they seem to speak to me about being the pastor. I'm anxious because, well, to tell you the truth, I've had some pretty negative experiences over the years with some people who have very different ideas of how the pastor fits into the life of the local church and they have been vocal and at times even vicious 
and now I'm sharing that with you and even seeing in Scripture that this is not uncommon to the person who will serve the Lord Jesus and uh, will put themselves out there in, in a way that makes them uh, vulnerable. Um, you know, listen to Peter. He says, It is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. And he even says that we're called to this because Christ suffered for us and showed us by way of his example. And I know some really decent, good folks who have been in church all their lives who have, who have inflicted suffering on me and people like me because we were more committed to the very high and lofty ideals of Scripture and the highest traditions of the church and did so uh, in our commitment in such a way that it left them feeling that whatever was important to them wasn't so important anymore. And they reacted violently, even unjustly. And when I see and hear those kinds of things in our local churches, it breaks my heart. And I have been accused uh, at times of not caring about those people because I have had to say, well, you know, the thing is, is the color of carpet, let's say, is not that important. The question is, is, how is it with your soul? Is your discipleship growing in such a way that you can feel more certain than ever that you are devoted to Christ more than things? And there's the problem. There are, in many of our local churches, those who are more in love with stuff, more in love with their local church building, more in love with uh, their Sunday morning habits and traditions than they are with Christ. And when they feel that the shepherd is threatening those things that they love, uh, you know, it brings something out. I'll give you an analogy. And this is what I like to do anyway, because I'm kind of a storyteller and I have this vivid imagination. And when I'm, when I'm thinking about this in, in the uh, spirit of the shepherd as described in scripture as a shepherd i'm guiding my flock through the pastures and uh or maybe you could even think about out west where the cowboys were driving their herds across vast spans of of territory and and they've gone for a long time without fresh clean water and then finally the the cows begin to pick up on the scent of a uh a watering hole and start moving towards it but the cowboys or the shepherd of the flock determines that this is not good water, that this water will hurt them, maybe even kill them. And so now he has to drive them away from this. And the shepherd has to move them away from this bitter water, from this dangerous uh, septic water that might poison and kill the flock. And, uh, and in the course of driving them away, there are a few, perhaps the, uh, the, the leaders among the sheep, um, who generally get others to follow who are committed to that water because they're thirsty and they think it's more important to drink any water that they can get their hands on, excuse me, their mouth on, uh, than it is to listen to the shepherd's wisdom and follow the shepherd towards green pastures and cool, clean, safe water. And so what happens? The shepherd gets between the bitter water and those leading sheep who want that bitter water. 
and the shepherd's liable to get butted by a ram, liable to get shoved around by a ewe, uh, liable to be growled at and cursed at and and uh, mistreated, even though the shepherd is clearly trying to protect the flock from bitter water. Have you ever tried to take a biscuit away from your dog? Or uh, have you ever tried to mess with your dog's water dish or food dish while they're eating? You get growled at, don't you? An ill-behaved and poorly shepherded dog will bite you if you do that. That's why whenever we've had dogs in our house, whenever we've raised animals of any kind, even our chickens, we've always punished bad behavior. And not in a way that was mean or vindictive, but to simply prevent harm from coming out of that. So when my dogs were puppies, as they ate their food, I massaged their heads and pet them and talked gently to them. And I did not take their food away from them. And over time, those puppies learned that when someone's touching them, even while they're eating, it's not a threat. And so they begin to realize that they can trust and love the master, even when something they really want seems like it might be threatened. <laughs> we had... We have an old dog in our house named Earl. He's 15 years old, and he's old and deaf, and he's been around a long time, though. And, and I can remember several years ago when we had some uh, 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 pet birds. We, we had um, cockatiels, and uh, this one cockatiel called Arthur, he, we let them run around the house. They, they were really kind of amazing. They didn't make messes anywhere except in their cages, and I don't know, I don't know much about things but apparently birds and I get along and somehow with these birds we trained and and uh, they were not abusive of their freedom and anyway so Arthur he liked to walk across the kitchen floor uh, while Earl was eating this just picture this now Earl's a small to medium-sized dog and and uh, Arthur is this little tiny bird who thinks he's bigger than anything and he struts over to Earl's food dish and he grabs out a piece of Earl's food and Earl's just sitting there uh, or leaning over his food eating and just crying because he wants to yell at this this bird for stealing his food but we've taught him you don't bother people even when you're eating your food you you mind your manners you be a good boy and and there will be rewards for it and and you'll be a happier dog and we'll be a happier family so he knows this from the very beginning he knows this and so this little bird walks over and grabs some food out of his dish and he just cries, you know, but he watches this, this bird grabs a little piece of food and walks over to the middle of the kitchen floor and proceeds to peck away at it and try to eat it. Now, the funniest thing that ever happened was is one day, old Earl got wise to Arthur. And so before he started eating, he saw Arthur making his way into the kitchen because, you know, Arthur says, oh, I, I guess there's some food. I heard someone pour food in the dish. And so Earl's getting ready to go over and eat, eat, eat the food we just put in his dish. And he sees Arthur strutting down the hall and into the kitchen to join him at the dinner table. And so Earl grabs a piece of his food out with his mouth, walks it over to the middle of the kitchen floor and drops it for Arthur. And then Arthur starts pecking away at it and eating it. And Earl goes back to his food dish. Now, I'm telling you what, we'll learn a lot from animals if we'll just pay attention. And so there it is. We will encounter abuse 
we who shepherd the flocks, whether we're pastors or whether we're in some lesser shepherding role, as you listen carefully to the words of Jesus, you get a picture of how the, the shepherding worked in those days. It, it was a bit of an industry, I guess you could say. And uh, so the shepherd is like the chief uh, operating officer of the, the flock. Um, but there are lesser helpers. There are the subordinates, you know. There are people who, who, mind the, uh, uh, who mind the watchtowers and look out for the sheep to protect them. And, and so you can imagine then in a church... Uh, the shepherd is the pastor, but then there are those lay leaders, those elders and deacons, those uh, uh, those administrative council members, and uh, and uh, those staff people. And and in all of those positions, they are subordinate to the main shepherd, the pastor, but they're equally responsible for the care of the flock. And that means that uh, together we're going to have to stand between the uh, the the hard-headed and uh, and difficult uh, rams and ewes that are trying to lead the flock towards the bitter water. And again, I say this with all humility. I, I'm anxious as I say this because if you've been one of those people with whom there has been difficult conversation about what was best for the flock and about how the uh, difficult ewes and lambs have been handled, then then you're probably listening to me and saying, see, there he goes again. And yet I can listen to you and say, see, there you go again. Let us agree in the love and economy of God's grace that God places shepherds in our lives and God expects us to recognize those shepherds by their words and their works and to see that they are faithful to God's will as much as any human can be with the help of the Holy Spirit, and therefore they are committed to what is best for the flock. And so you need to treat them with respect and dignity. You need to honor their calling. You need to honor their office. And as I've said before, there are bad ones out there. There are lousy shepherds, and when that happens... Trust that God is bigger than that. God doesn't need your help straightening out a bad shepherd. God doesn't need our help with anything. And if we'll just understand that God wants us to cooperate with God as our supreme shepherd. Through the Lord Jesus, we see all the truth we'll ever need to know. And one of those truths is the shepherds will suffer for the sake of the flock. And once in a while... You could pat the shepherd on the back and thank them. Well, it's a little scary today talking like I have, and uh, I hope that nonetheless you have been blessed. And, and uh, you know, one of the hardest things that we all have to do in our relationships, whether it's with our friends or with uh, our church is, is to be genuinely, sincerely, openly honest. And honesty is not just about telling the truth, it's about living with integrity and being faithful to what is true. And so, in honesty, I've shared these thoughts with you, hoping that they will in some way affect you and your future in dealings uh, and endeavors in ministry. 
in the life of the church, there will always be difficult times, and uh, there will also be great joys. We opened with that. We closed with that. I hope you've been blessed by this offering this week, and I hope that uh, God has given you greater insight and that the Spirit has enlivened your journey through this in some way. Knowing God with Heart and Mind is brought to you by me, Pastor Dan, but uh, it wouldn't be possible without my uh, job as a pastor of a local church. And so I ask you to support your local church, support it with your presence, uh, because virtual Bible study is not enough. You've got to be around real people. And I ask you to support it with your gifts and uh, talents because maybe God has called you to be a shepherd in some way uh, or a uh, shepherd's shepherd or something. I don't know. Maybe God has just called you to, to come alongside the pastor and encourage the pastor. Uh, maybe God has called you to help with the Sunday school class or with the funeral dinner next week or something like that. You know, But God is calling you to be a part of a fellowship of believers and uh, I've talked a lot about that with you, so I'll leave it at this. Please support your local church. And if your local church happens to be Corinth United Methodist Church, then go online at CorinthUMC.com and uh, offer your financial support. And if you are uh, going to be joining me in the Fellowship of Believers that is uh, gathering in Jasper at Shiloh United Methodist, then you can go to ShilohUM.org. And you can also support them financially and look for ways to be a part of everything that's going on there. And if you're listening somewhere else in the world, then as I've said all along, be a part of a fellowship of believers. You'll never regret it. But it, uh, I guarantee you, it will not come without difficulty. It's just part of human relationship and the pursuit of sanctification. If we're going to live as those set apart by God, filled with the Holy Spirit, it will require leaving behind certain human things and moving forward towards holy things. For now, God bless you and goodbye.